Welcome to Really Nikki, created by myself, Nikki Carpenter. I'm a writer and actress, and every week we'll discuss what's happening on the red carpet, TV and film and theater reviews, and also share upcoming projects. Y'all ready? Lights, camera, action. On Friday, I was riding in my car and I randomly started to sing Amazing Grace. Like, when I say it was super random, it was super random. And while I was singing, I got a notification on my phone and I looked at it and it said that rapper DMX had passed away at the age of 50. And I didn't break stride. I kept singing. And once I finished singing, I said a prayer for his family and everybody who loved him. And then I started singing X Gonna Give It To You in honor of him. Y'all, this is so crazy. Um, I put on Instagram that it's always heartbreaking when people like Whitney Houston and DMX pass away because they openly struggled with their their demons and their struggle and their um, willingness to share what they were struggling with. It reminded us that we were human and it helped us to see how big God's grace is and you know, I have seen the the um, videos of DMX praying, and um, I've I've just always been like in all of them. Y'all know I I grew up a church girl. I'm a Christian. I am saved, and so every time I would see like Whitney Houston speak scripture, it would just bless my heart. Every time I would see DMX pray, it would again bless my heart. And so, um, you know. I have come to the point in life where I don't understand God's grace. I don't understand how big his grace is. And I don't really understand um, the, the, the cap that we've put on people in salvation. And so, um, yeah, I truly believe that DMX was a man of God. And I believe that addiction is a disease. And so I look forward to seeing him in heaven one day. And I can I can confidently say that. So rest in peace to DMX. Uh, he was definitely threaded in the culture. Um, I did see Belly. Um but, you know, I looked up, when, like, when did Belly come out? Belly came out in 1998. In 1998, I was in eighth grade. So I was in, like, the the peak of being a church girl, right? So I could barely watch BET. I could barely listen to secular music. So Belly was not just something that I would just be watching in the family room <laughs> at home, in my house. And so... Um, I did see it a few times, and I probably checked it out again when I was older, but he did an amazing job from what I remember. So um, it's definitely rooted in the culture, and saved or unsaved, everybody 
in my household knew y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Like my stepfather would just randomly like sing it all the time. And so DMX, he he definitely was threaded, embedded into the culture. And so uh, rest in peace to uh, DMX, um, also known as Earl Simmons. And I, I am again, still praying for everybody who, um, knew him and loved him. Okay. So what else is on a red carpet? Y'all, my show, the black monologues was this weekend at Victory Gardens theater. Um, it was a virtual show and it was cool. It was cool. Ooh, so, you know, it was it was bittersweet because part of me wished that we could have been at the theater. Um, the actors could have been on stage. And, you know, again, like I've always been saying, there's a magic that happens at the theater that you can't get anywhere but inside the theater. But um, my family, they definitely made it a moment to remember. So, um my dad came over, my cousin came, uh, Steve, my husband was here, obviously, and my, my child, um, she was here. And we ordered vegan food and we did a toast. And um, some of the characters were inspired by family members. And so it was cool for my dad to see like, oh, wow, you really have been like listening to the stories I've been telling you. And you've, you've become sort of kind of like the family griot. I, I'm definitely, um, the older I get and the more I get into ancestry and legacy, I have taken on um, that that job and that responsibility of being the family griot for sure. But it was so cool to see like the comments in the Zoom and to um, the feedback was amazing. And so I'm just looking forward to, to doing more. But um, yeah, that was that was my show. And so, um, I'm super excited that that is, um, over and done and we did it. We did that. And so now I am, uh, on to the next, but again, thank you to, uh, Victory Gardens for giving us creative liberty. Thank you to the director, Deanna Reed Foster, who is also my acting coach and my mentor. She's a beast. Google her. Um, thank you to the other writers, uh, Reggie, Reginald Edmond, Tiffany Oglesby. Um, thank you to the actors. Like you guys, man, brought these characters to life. And thank you to everybody who tuned in, um, virtually. I know that is not easy. Okay. Like if something is virtual for me, you probably going to get like a good, a good 15 minutes out of me before I just start like, scrolling or just, I don't know, daydreaming, who knows? And so, yeah, (laughs) thank you to everybody who tuned in and made it extra special. So this weekend, I started to read Kindred by Octavia E. Butler, and I am obsessed I'm obsessed. So what's crazy is a few weeks ago, I told my husband that there was a story that keeps trying to come to me. And I won't go into details because, you know, you got to 
protect your art until it's like, you know, secured and all that stuff. But um, so there was a story that is, it keeps trying to come to me and I'm writing out like the details of it and stuff, but it's definitely mixing worlds, mixing worlds that doesn't make sense. And it's, it's definitely mixing um, time. And so I picked up Kindred um, because I went to the library. And I just got like um, a bunch of books, which is insane of me because I have a bunch of books books here that I need to read already in my personal collection. So why was I going to get more books? I, I will never understand. I don't understand why I do that, but whatever. Um, but I actually like started reading Kindred. And as I was like getting into like the second chapter, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been like waiting for. This is what I've been craving. This is sort of kind of along the lines of like the story that's been coming to me, but not really, but yes, really. So like it's, it has been just like a joy to, to see. And and I, I've never considered myself a sci-fi writer, but I think this is a new territory I'm about to like dive into because Octavia E. Butler, I'm obsessed. So yeah, if you have a chance to check out this book, definitely give it a read. If you've already read it, um, let me know like what were your thoughts about this book? I'm at the point now, like, I just want to be a part of a book club. But I, I can't commit to, like, reading a book every month. But, man, I I do want to have, like, these discussions because it's deep. Oh, this book is deep. That's all I'm going to say. And so um, to give you, like, a brief, like, summary of what it's about, um, a young lady by the name of Dana uh, she is living in Los Angeles with her uh, lover. Um, his name is Kevin. Dana is African-American and Kevin is Caucasian. And um, the year is 1979. And Dana has this dizzy spell one day that transports her back to the year 1815. And she discovers that she's on a plantation and um, she meets a little boy named Rufus, who is her, he's going to be her great, great grandfather. But, um, every time he's in trouble, somehow he summons her. And so like already, that's a lot because she's a free black woman in 1979. And all of a sudden she's considered to be an enslaved black woman in 1815 and so she's crossing through time and it is oh my gosh it's crazy and so I'm like on chapter I think I'm on chapter three like towards the end of chapter three but this is the first book in a long time that has um caused me to actually make time for it as a mom as a wife as um, an employee, because I do work a job. Um, I, do, I do social media for my church and um, other things like that or whatever. But this is the book that has made me like carve out little 
pockets of time throughout the day. And I just said, like, okay, just get five pages in here. And, you know, at, at night, I'm all in. While India is asleep, I, like, dive completely in. And so um, check the book out if you get a chance. Um, I would love to, like, chat with, you know, as much people as I can about it. So definitely um, let me know if you're down. Black Enterprise has an article that caught my attention and I want to share. It says, Los Angeles County will return Manhattan Beach Resort to Black descendants. So it says, State Senate Stephen Bradford was set to introduce the bill on Monday, April 12th, to have the Oceanfront Resort return to the living descendants of the Black family it was stolen from back in 1924. We stand here today to introduce a bill that will correct this gross injustice and allow the land to be returned to the Bruce family, Bradford said Friday. It is my hope that this legislation will not be the last in a series of actions by the state to address centuries of atrocious actions against Black Americans. So apparently the land was uh, purchased in 1912 by Willa Bruce for about $1,200. That's crazy. Um, and it became a beachfront getaway for black families. But because there was so much um, racist threats and harassment or whatever, they basically just like the land was taken away from them by city officials. And they it, it went on to just become just like Bruce's Beach or whatever. Um, so now it's a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, and I guess they are trying to get some reparations going. And that's awesome to me. Um, it reminds me of a play that I saw here um, in Chicago at Looking Glass Theater. Um, let me find the name of... Um, of the, the, the person who wrote it. I believe his name is, was Kevin. I don't want to, I don't want to. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So it was written by Looking Glass ensemble member and playwright Kevin Douglas. And um, it's called Plantation. And so basically it, there's this family in Texas. Um, they, own, they own a huge home. You know, it's on this like um, huge amount of land. And um, she discovers that, you know, they are actually descendants of enslaved black people who worked that land. And so um, in the play, she invites like the descendants over their long distance black cousins. And she wants to give them the land and the home. But she receives a lot of pushback um, from her her children, who, who her white children, who, of course, is like, mom, um, what are you doing? So um, I saw that play in 2018. And I always think about that play because I had never seen anything like that on stage. Um, I had never heard anything like that um, in real life. And so when I saw that article in Black Enterprise, I was like, oh, snap. This is like this is like a thing that's happening. So, um, yeah, you know, I think I said it in the last podcast. I always find myself... Um, in LA, like every March, um, I have not been to LA, 
um, in two years, clearly because of COVID and things like that. But the next time I'm in LA, I'm crip walking all up through that beach. Like, man, I'm I'm celebrating. I need let me look. I need to do my legacy. What's their last name again? Bruce. If I got some Bruce in the family, if I got some Bruce last names pop up on Ancestry.com, it's over. It's over. But congrats to them. Pretty nice, huh? Bigger than I looked in the pictures. When I think of home, I think of a place where there's love overflowing. You couldn't imagine a nicer place to live. I wish I was home. This home is ours. This is how it begins with one family. They came from someplace worse. We'll have to make this place worse. What's worse than worse? So in 2017, the movie Get Out came out. <laughs> that sounds crazy. Get Out came out, whatever. But um, it was written and directed by Jordan Peele. And it got the conversation going about black horror. Um, you know, that people were saying like, we really don't see a lot of black horror like with the exception of uh Candyman that came out in the 80s and um Vampire in Brooklyn that came out um in the 90s with Angela Bassett and Eddie Murphy but those are the two that I can like think of off the dome but other than that you know we really don't see a lot of black horror and so um when Jordan Peele put out Get, Get Out and then um Us you know, it was like, okay, yes, you know, we be- we belong in this genre as well, you know. And so, a few weeks ago, the trailer for uh, them came out. So, let me give um, a little bit of background. Uh, them, uh, the summary on IMDb says, a black family moves to an all-white Los Angeles neighborhood where malevolent forces next door and otherworldly threatened to taunt, ravage, and destroy them. First of all, I don't know if I, what's, is it malevolent, 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 I promise I can read. Um, But this um, show is, it was created by um, Little Marvin. It was written by Little Marvin. Uh, and Lena Waithe is an executive producer. So um, even as I look at the page, like her name is not even uh, mentioned on this first page until you scroll like all the way down. But um, because her name is attached to it and people automatically recognize her name, uh, Lena Waithe, because she is the creator of um, The Shy, um, people have been giving her a lot of slack for um what they call black porn. Um, 
So I did have a chance to check out the first five episodes. Um, my goal is to finish um, the series because I feel many things about it. So first things first, let me just say um, it was beautifully filmed. Um, it was beautifully casted, like uh, beautifully cast. Um this actress, her name is okay. So the American way is Deborah. That's her name, um, but I believe her name is Deborah Ayorende. Um, I just I recently started following her on Instagram. I had never heard of her. Apparently, she was in um, Girls Trip as well. She's freaking beautiful. Oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. Um, she went to Howard. I saw my friend, my friend Ito. Uh, went to Howard with her because I saw her comment on one of her pictures. I'm like, Ito, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you need to like um, connect us. So for whatever reason, I just want to, I just want to be her friend. Like, she's just so talented. But uh, it stars Deborah Ayurinde, um, Ashley Thomas, Thomas, Allison Peel, uh, Shahidi Wright Joseph, and Melody Hurd. So that's like the um the main characters in it. Um so I was very pleased to see an episode that featured Anika Anika Noni Rose. You all may know her as uh Princess Tiana voice, right? Almost there is my song. Um who else had a cameo? I feel like I'm forgetting somebody else. Um but yeah so so that was the first thing. So like Oh, and it has a huge budget. So it wasn't like, oh, let me, you know, let me check out this low budget, you know, project or whatever. No, it has a huge budget. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, The actors can act. Uh, It's beautifully filmed, like I said. Like, so it has all of the things to make it great. Um, Now, this sort of kind of ties into what I was saying last week about Black Pain and i guess it's going to have to be there's going to have to be a a larger conversation about black pain but also black trauma on screen and like how far is taking it too far so a lot of people um they're criticizing them because there is an episode, um, and I I watched the episode five, and so I did watch this episode, um, where it's called Cat in a Bag, I believe, um, and I am definitely going to like spoil it for you if you haven't seen it yet. So either you can stop the podcast right now and come back after you watch it, or spoiler alert, here we go. But they basically this white family comes to the black family while they're living in the country. Uh, and this is before they moved to the neighborhood in West Compton. Um, and this black, this white family, they are crazy. They're evil. Like it's no explanation for what they, what they do. But the mom played by Deborah is home by herself with her son. Uh, the son is probably maybe all of eight months old. Um, and the woman comes, uh, it's a, it's a white woman with two white men 
and they just break in the house and you know the woman like I is saying I I love your baby I want the baby and so um she takes the baby uh the men assault the woman the mom uh they sexually assault her and um while they're sexually assaulting her the white woman grabs the the black baby and uh something triggers her to say oh cat in the bag whatever that is um and they proceed to put like i feel bad even saying it right now like i feel bad saying it they they proceed to put the baby in a pillowcase which represents a bag and toss the baby around they're just tossing the baby around swinging swinging the bag around um which ultimately results in his death and so that was like probably one of the most gruesome things i've seen on tv in a long time and i th- i think the argument is with people what i've you know seen on twitter um is who is this intended for like who is the audience for this show but i guess particularly that episode and, and that that event um because if it's intended for a a white audience um sadly if it's a racist white audience they may enjoy this and if it's intended for a black audience then this is traumatizing this is triggering this is not enjoyable and so um i would again i would love to be a part of a discussion where okay cuz here's my question my question is can can we create black art and and the fact that we're black not be an issue because if it's a timepiece, like if it's 1800, if it's Reconstruction era, if it's 1920s, if it's Jim Crow era, the fact that we're black is always going to be an issue, right? And when I say issue, it's going to be you can't create a timepiece that that doesn't include the struggle of being black, right? And so um, to go off of like, people nowadays who don't want to create like I don't want to see any black pain I don't want to see any black pain I just feel like that is a part of sadly that's a part of our our life you know um so I just I would love to have a conversation about this and I say this because I was in acting class um this this had to be it was pre-covid it was like maybe 2019. I was I was taking some acting classes up north and we did an improv scene where um my partner was a was a white man and the the coach said, Okay, um Tanikia, you are a police officer pulling him over. And I was like, Okay. Um and I, then I looked at him, I said, I'm still black, right? And he was like, yeah. And so, because it made a difference, right? 
Because if if I was just another, you know, just character or whatever, like pulling him over, if I was a white woman pulling pulling him over, if I was a white police officer pulling over this white man, right? That's pretty general. But now I am a black police officer pulling over this white man. Now the dynamics have totally changed. And because of history because of recent events like it's totally different and so I just feel like being black our history when we are when we come into the story it just changes the dynamics already because we're coming with all of this and so yes I do believe in stories of us being superheroes and uh, being in outer space and being in the desert and the mountains, like, and I want to create those stories, but it gets tricky because we have all of this attached to us. And so, but again, I am able to separate the two of having black history and having black trauma and having an audience for this and having a goal. So something that my friend Shade and I say a lot is what is the goal? So like, you know, what is the goal for this conversation? What is the goal for this um this event? What is the goal for me posting this, right? Is there a call to action? What is the goal? I think people are are trying to figure out what is the goal of um them and I know it's telling us a story I know it's a timepiece I know it's um black black um horror as well uh but they're trying to figure out what is what's the goal and so I am uh I'm still you know um checking it out I'm gonna go back and look at uh the rest of the episodes um and give it a chance, but you know, Lena Waithe, she did say something a few years ago, and I was trying to find this quote, and I can't find it, and I, and now I don't even remember like if I saw it online or if I saw it, um, if I if I heard her say it in person because I heard her speak at um, Chicago Ideas Week. This is probably like twenty sixteen, maybe twenty seventeen, um, and. She basically said that, like, you know, there's a lot of pressure sometimes to for art to be accepted by the the mass audience. But sometimes art is not accepted by the mass audience, but you just you, you keep going. Right. And I like that because I feel like sometimes we, we have pressure to, you know, whether I, I post this thing on Instagram, which I was so happy when they took away likes and then they brought them back. I was like, oh, come on, man. I was, I was just going to start posting some more stuff without the pressure of, you know, uh, making it something that gets over like a hundred likes or whatever. But, um, because sometimes you just want to put out art with, and, and if it's, if it's like not widely received and it's like, well, you know, that's where I was during that time. And, you know, but there should be grace for like the next thing I put out. I shouldn't be canceled because this movie flopped or 
this project flopped or whatever, you know? And so that's the thing about art. Like it's just, it's just art, you know? Some people will relate to it. Some people look at the picture and they see all the things. And some people look at the picture, the painting, and they see throw up. And it's like, wow, you know, art is interpreted um, by who's interpreting it, by who's perceiving it. And so, um, and then it it can be totally um, interpreted different from the creator who actually made it, you know? And so, that's the thing. It's 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 so many layers to this thing that um yeah. So I am I'm going to figure out um you know how I completely feel about them once I finish the entire series. But here's the thing, at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter how I feel about it. Um it's out there and I am honestly uh I'm happy to, that these actors are um, getting some shine. Again, I said I followed the um, the young lady Deborah Oyerende on Instagram, and like she's super excited. She's posing in front of um, the billboard for them. You know, like it's it's definitely you know giving people work during this time, and so I am excited um, for them, and I'm happy for them, uh, and I pray that the criticism that this show is receiving it it has no impact on uh their ability to work in, in the industry. So um kudos to them and uh let wait a minute kudos to them Da-da, whatever um but yeah uh let me know if uh you had a chance to check it out and what are your thoughts about it. Malevolent that's how you say that word super random but yeah Okay, so what's coming up? I am launching my first short film, No Due Date, this week. Well, not this week, but next week. Um, I, I'm playing with the date. I think I want to launch it April 18th. But then again, I think I want to launch it April 19th. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be April 19th, um, that Monday evening. And the name of the film is called No Due Date, and it's it shows um, the many situations that um, a, a woman finds herself in when she's trying to conceive. And so I will post the poster on my Instagram this Friday. I'm excited for you guys to see um, the movie poster, and I will share more information on how you can watch the short film. It's only about seven minutes, um, but I am super excited, and um, I'm intentionally putting it out April 19th because um, that is Black Infertility Week, and, um, you know, most people know our story. We uh, struggled with trying to conceive for about two years. And so um, during that time, uh, this short film came to me and um, God blessed me with a sponsor this year to actually get the get the, done, the work done. And so I went back to the script and had to totally reconstruct it to make it COVID friendly. Um, and it is ready for your viewing pleasure. So um, get your popcorn ready, um, tell your friends, um, it to to support. I, I'm gonna try to do a live event um on Facebook. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. There's a scene of me in the bathtub, and I'm not naked, but um, 
we'll see. I don't know if I want that on Facebook. You know, it's different when it's on YouTube and um and other places, but I don't know. Facebook just seems so open and like I don't know. This is it's weird. Um, but yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Um also the next thing I do plan to check out and binge and talk about is um a HBO series called well it's not a series it's a four-part documentary called exterminate all the brutes so i have been seeing people talk about that so if you want to be able to chime in and talk about that um with me next week be sure to check that out sometime this week if you can and what else what else what else what else what else oh okay no, I'll share that next week. Um, but in the meantime, in between time, y'all stay up. Stay up. Keep your head to the sky. Pray. Drink your water. It's so much happening. So much happening. I had to talk to my therapist last week because the DMX thing was triggering me. Um, I had a loss in my family. My cousin, my first cousin, my baby cousin, Marquis Thompson, um, tragically passed away. And so um, it it has been a week. And one thing about death now, one thing about um, my cousin passing away, it has inspired me to live even more. It's inspired me to um solidify all the things I need to do to get my production company going, my theater going. Um, yeah, to just live my best life, to live on purpose, um, God's purpose for me. And so I am praying the same for you all as well. Um, live on purpose. That's what my acting coach always says. That's her hashtag, live on purpose. All right, y'all, until we talk next time, stay up. Peace.